Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday when my guest will be Eric Mendelson from Warburg Realty. We will be discussing the state of the Manhattan real estate market. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Stephanie Shalofsky from the Organizing Zone. We will be discussing taking back control of the workday from your email. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. Again, 805-243-1301. And dial 1 so I know you have a question. Stephanie, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bruce. Nice to be here. Well, it's my pleasure. It's been a while, so I'm glad you're able to uh, join us today. Tell us about yourself and your company. Sure. I'm the founder of the Organizing Zone, and I specialize in working with small companies, uh, so it's anywhere up to 25 uh, employees and as small as uh, solopreneurs in their home offices. And I focus on finding solutions for them so that they can gain control over their work environment so that they're more productive and hopefully uh, have more time to focus on making money. Uh, I've lived in my clients' shoes uh, because I have both big and small company experience, and I bring all of that to the table when I work with my clients. Uh, In addition, I have uh, a wealth of project project management skills that I've acquired over the years as well. Um, And all that coupled with my organizing credentials and my non-judgmental style uh, is what enables me to really create uh, really functional and organized workspaces for my clients. Now, are you talking about filing papers in um, a logical order? Are you talking about rearranging furniture? Are you talking about processes? What do you organize? All of the above. I, I do oh. all of that. Um, it all depends on what the client needs. So it could be anything from organizing the papers and the stuff to uh, creating more effective systems for things like, you know, say you had to create a process for recognizing, rec- uh, reconciling the company's American Express account. Uh, so it, it goes way beyond just you know moving papers from one pile to another. Also, I also oversee uh, moves for small companies. So it, it's very diverse in terms of what the services can be. Since you mentioned Amex and since this is the season, do you also help business owners who have shoeboxes full of receipts <laughs> to organize their uh, – you're laughing, so I take it the answer is yes. Yes, yes. I've I've seen the the shoeboxes, unfortunately. Uh, But fortunately, there have been solutions, so my clients are in a much better place today than they were when we uh, first met. But yes, I I do see the shoeboxes of receipts still. So uh, yeah, there's still a need for that kind of service for certain people. Now, if somebody is that disorganized, it may be a a character trait. 
So how do you teach people to become organized? Um, organized stay organized. Is, well, yeah, no, basically maintenance is the real key part of the process. But to start with, um, organizing can be taught. You know, not, every, not everybody comes by this skill innately like myself, but it's something that can be taught. It's just a matter of uh, understanding the, the client's preferred learning style, you know, because we learn in different means and methods. You know, some people prefer uh, to hear the information. Others prefer to read it. Some prefer to, you know, have tactile experiences. So it all depends on what their preferences are. Um, And then basically creating a process for them, which is a collaborative process. You know, I can't create processes for my clients in a vacuum. I need their input because the way I might think of doing something or labeling something isn't necessarily going to work for them. So it it becomes a team effort where we we really brainstorm uh, what their objective is. We really drill down to, you know, minute little details in some cases and create a, a process and a solution that will be very customized for them. And we try to keep it simple because we don't want things that are overly complicated to learn. Uh, keeping it simple so then they can start practicing it. And then, it, like anything else, it becomes new habits and those take a while to form. So it's being you know patient and diligent and really committed to making the change. Let's get to our topic. What does it mean that we have lost control to email? Okay, let me answer that by uh, telling you about a conversation I recently had with uh, Neil. Uh, Neil uh, sells insurance, um, and like everybody else, really can't get ahead of his email. Uh, He's got tons of work-related messages. He's an avid networker, so he's got tons of networking uh, messages as well. And from what he was telling me, it was very clear to me that his anxiety is just totally off the charts. You know, he had, I believe he told me, over 30,000 messages in his inbox. Um, and there's, you know, obviously a never-ending supply of new messages coming at, at him. And I like to term this the tsunami of email, basically. And this was all controlling his life because what would happen is he would start the day and he'd tell me, you know, he decided what he was, you know, what he was going to do that day, what the top maybe one or two priorities were. And as soon as he sat down to check his email, all of a sudden he would just be kidnapped by the email almost literally, uh, and he would spend hours in the email reading messages and doing whatever. Uh, and by the time he finished, he came out with a whole different set of priorities for that day, completely forgot what he was going to do originally, and it had gotten so bad that he actually missed a really important deadline for a, a new prospective client. Um, and you know that was when the you know light bulbs were going off in his head, and he was you know it was obvious he was very frustrated by this whole situation and knew he needed to start making some changes. When did we lose control and why? Um, I think um, it's been an ongoing situation for quite a few years. I think it's only really begun begun to hit the radar more uh, clearly and more frequently in the most you know, recent year or two, because now email is the means of communication in the workplace. Um, And because of that, basically, uh, we're using it a lot more extensively than ever before. You know, we use it for everything from, you know, we have a worker who basically is trying to resolve an issue, and they're doing it via email, so it's like four and five rounds of emails going back and forth, so that many more messages. Um, We don't talk to our colleagues that are sitting across the desk from us. You know, we email them. 
Uh, so that adds to the messages. Uh, we have multiple email accounts now because we're trying to get stuff out of our inboxes, which are overflowing. Um, and basically, we're even starting to use email you know, as a means of collaborating with our coworkers. So it's gone way beyond you know, just another means of communication. It's, it's basically the means of communication. Now let's go back to the good old days. I can mm-hmm. remember at work waiting for the mail to arrive, <laughs> and it would be distributed, and then you'd go to your box, you'd get what mm-hmm. had arrived that day, and you would deal with it then and there on the spot, unless, of course, there was an emergency, some a big project, but everything would stop to go through the mail. Mm-hmm. Now, the mail only arrived once a day. Email, of course, right. arrives 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. But besides that, what's the difference between the two situations? Haven't we always let mail rule our lives? Not necessarily, because when you think back to those good old days, you know, you would stop and pick up your mail. Either you had a box you went to in a central location or maybe somebody brought it to you and put it in your inbox. But basically, you, in some cases, were proactive in terms of going to collect it when it was convenient for you. Um, so you were choosing the time when you were actually going to pick it up. Whether or not you actually opened it when you picked it up, totally another story. You know, sometimes you might have. Other times it, you know, maybe got put down because there were other things you were working on, uh, and you came back to it later. Uh, So I think the real distinction is that the sense of urgency that we associated with the actual physical mail and the sense of urgency we associate with email are like two different extremes. And I think that's really what it all comes down to. Um, really, we're very much more tuned in to, you know, it being, we must do it now with email, regardless of whether or not, you know, that's the time to really be on email. I have an advantage, I guess, or a disadvantage, depending on how you want to look at it, because in my previous life, I was a fundraiser. Uh-huh. And everything stopped when the mail arrived, because I had to check to see if there were any donations, if there were any right. uh, grant applications. Right. So uh, for me, the difference, except with timing, isn't that great. Right. But there are. But but you're absolutely correct because most people aren't in that situation. Now, some people believe in the prioritization of emails, and mm-hmm. that's how they handle it. What's your view? I think it's really important to prioritize emails. I agree. Um, just because of the volume, we need to have a, a methodology for sorting through what's there and and figuring out what we really need to address so that we don't miss out on opportunities or we don't miss deadlines. Um, Because I think of it, you know, very much if you think of a a really cluttered desk with papers and stuff all over the place, you know, how distracting that is. Well, an uh, overwhelming, uh, same overwhelming feeling, I should say, occurs when you look at an inbox that's got thousands and thousands of new messages popping up in it, you know, constantly, uh, and you don't know where to start, and it's very distracting. Uh, so it's a matter of prioritizing where you're going to start so that you make sure that you're actually finding those tasks that need to be done that are buried within all those messages. So it's, it's you know distinguishing between the essential and the non-essential uh, and figuring out ways to maybe divert things that are less important into you know other folders or into uh, you know totally different email account if, if necessary. Um, and then applying things like the two-minute rule so you can weed out the stuff that you know maybe needs some attention but very little time. 
Um, and then what's left, hopefully, are those things that are more important, and then it's distinguishing between what's got to be done that day versus, you know, what gets put on a to-do list in a calendar for, you know, maybe, you know, a day or two or a week or two down the road. What's the two-minute rule? Um, basically, anything that you can address within less than two minutes, you just sit and you do, whether it be just responding, uh, whether it means, you know, deleting the email, whether it means moving it to a folder, you know, whatever it is, whatever action is required that takes less than two minutes, you just do it and get that email message done with. Doing that, of course, means you have to open the email. So the first requirement based on a two-minute rule would be uh, an ability to read the email within two minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've read the email. You then create different files. You leave the hot items in the inbox, and you get everything else out of your site. Basically, in essence, that would, that's what you're doing. And we're doing this, you know, basically, I, I'm a firm believer in processing time. Um, so when you're doing processing your emails at set intervals during the day. So basically, theoretically, what we're looking at is the latest batch of emails that have arrived since you last processed your email. So we're not looking at thousands and thousands of messages. We're looking at, you know, hopefully, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 or whatever the number might be that may have accumulated since you last were in your inbox. Uh, so it's a smaller number. Also, a lot of times when you look at your email, you can see by virtue of the subject line or the you know first little bit of the message that is displayed uh, without even opening the message, you get a gist of what it might be. So when you do and if you need to open that message, it's a lot of times it's a fairly quick read. You know, anything that's going to be a much longer read or that's going to have other uh, questions that need to be answered, you know, that you're not going to deal with during the two minutes. Now, wouldn't it also be a priority depending on who sent you the email? So if your boss sends you an email, mm-hmm. you open that right away and respond. If sure. somebody is just sending you your their newsletter, you hit spam. Well, either that or you have those automatically diverted into another folder so they don't even hit your inbox. This is true. Now, just a reminder, you are listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Stephanie Shalovsky from the Organizing Zone. We are discussing taking back control of the workday from your email. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Stephanie, some people believe that email should only be read and replied to at certain times of the day. What's your opinion? I agree with this, and this is something I've been telling clients uh, for the longest time, uh, because this way enables us to have, you know, somewhat of a less stressful situation or experience with email and to be more productive. Because uh, if we're constantly jumping between, uh, you know, a task and the email and the email in our calendar and, you know, keep going around in a circle like that, we lose a tremendous amount of time. And besides which, we're not getting anything done. So 
So if we can schedule the processing of the emails for set intervals during the day, um, then we have the time to focus on you know, proposals and other tasks that are essential that have to be done during a, a given day. Um, and I think, depending on the kind of job you have and the company you work for, and of course the number of messages you receive every day, um, you can set the processing you know, times for maybe as little as three times a day to maybe five or six times a day, you know, depending on all the other variables I mentioned. On for myself, mm-hmm. I uh, forget notifications. I stopped the notifications on my cell phone because every time I would get an email, there would uh-huh. be a notification which would come with a little beep, and I'd jump six feet. And you know what's <laughs> happened? Right. On my computer, I also I had something similar, not a sound, but a box would appear that said says you have an email from Stephanie Shalofsky and mm-hmm. usually the subject line and maybe one or two words. I got right. rid of that because I also saw it as a distraction, mm-hmm. but to be perfectly honest, probably more so because it was slowing down my computer. Right. What's your view of the impact of these alerts on the recipient? Uh, I think they're really negative. I think basically they very much like your reaction to it. Basically, it just totally distracts you in, in the immediate impulse is to look at open that email and look at it regardless of where you are or what you're doing. So, I I personally I have mine shut off. Um I just got a new computer actually last week and that was I noticed they were starting to pop up and I'm going, "Wait a second, what is this?" And then I realized I hadn't shut off the alerts. So, I immediately stopped everything and shut the alerts off. And I did the same thing on my phone just because um, I find it distracting. Uh, and I, when I, especially when I'm working on a project or a proposal, I can't afford those distractions because then I'm in the middle. You know, it always happens when you're at that crucial point of, you know, trying to communicate a key point, and all of a sudden the stupid thing goes off and it's like, you know, what was I saying? You know, so it, it's really not really effective to have them uh, on. Now, I equate answering emails to answering the phone. J. Edgar mm-hmm. Hoover, of all people, had a rule that at the FBI, you had to answer the phone by the third ring. Right. And yeah. figuratively speaking, I like to answer my emails by the third ring. Okay. Some okay. people believe you should immediately respond to an email. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about um, an email from the boss. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing that, you know, their concern is that if it's a prospective client, they could lose business if they wait too long to respond. Right. What's your view on the proper time frame to respond to a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill business inquiry? I think it all starts with our individual selves and perspective on this point because basically it's within our control to set the expectations both for ourselves and for all the people we communicate with Uh, and if we can do that then it's very much more efficient for everybody Um, basically we need to be realistic in terms of uh, what our own response time is going to be and this is something I tell clients all the time um, I tell them, you know, figure out what's going to work for you. How long are you going to allow be- between 
receiving a message and responding to it. You know, what's your norm going to be? Um, and then be consistent in practicing that that norm, whatever that time parameter might be. And also be sure to tell your all your contacts, you know, prospective new clients, anybody you deal with, um, that you will respond to their email within X time. So you're setting the expectation up front. So everybody knows that it's going to be two hours, three hours, five minutes, whatever it's going to be, you know, make it a realistic amount of time because obviously we're all busy, stuff happens, and it's not always possible to respond to an email in a very, you know, short window if that's what you're setting for yourself. Um, and I, since I, I got this question, I, re, I was recipient of this kind of question not too long ago, I did some really quick research to see what the studies were showing on this point. And it appears that the average response time is typically between two minutes and two hours for about 50% of those that responded to the survey. And then the other 50% weren't responding to emails for another probably 24 hours or longer. So as you can see, it's, it can be all over the globe. So my, my thought is make it work for yourself and set an expectation that's realistic, you know, on all levels. Good advice really for any topic. Mm-hmm. Now, is email an addiction or is, is there a psychological component? Maybe we have a psychological need to read and respond to our emails. Well, I guess you could say uh, it, it, you know, it. we do have a need to respond and to do so, you know, on a frequent, regular basis. I never thought of it as an addiction, but, you know, possibly that is one way to describe it. Um, checking email can definitely become a compulsion, you know, as opposed to a very deliberate act. Um, so it's a matter of trying to manage our behaviors and understand what's motivating us to, you know, constantly be responding or being on the email. Um, I did also uh, do a little check on this topic just to see if there was any other data out there that you know was relevant to this question. And I did find that um, the behavior psychologists uh, basically um, indicated that you know when we checking we're checking email, it basically activates um, a, an impulse in our brains to seek out what they call random rewards. And what this means in a very simplistic way is basically we get a reward some of the time, and it's not very predictable. So if you think of like somebody that plays a slot machine, you know, they're, they're doing that for the same, very same reason of the random rewards. You know, they keep pulling that lever, and hopefully one time, you know, every so often they're going to win some money, and that's what keeps them playing. So very much the same thing is true with email, because um, we get our regular assortment of messages, you know, every day. But every so often there's that you know, thank you note from a client from a, for a job really well done or, you know, a prospective new client is, is reaching out to us. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, would keep us going back and constantly checking our email uh, because these, these would be the random rewards as it relates to email. And I think there's a certain merit to this concept. I haven't really, you know, delved too far into it, but it, it sort of made sense on, you know, a certain number of levels to me. Thank you for that. Now, my last question, you've done this already uh, once or twice, but just very superficially. Can you mm-hmm. give us a case study when someone lost control of their emails and regained it and what the benefit was? 
Sure. Uh, I have a client. Her name is Susan. She's an entertainment attorney. Uh, and at the time we were working on her email, she had, I think, over like 10,000 emails in her inbox. Um, she was checking the emails at all random times, and every time she went on to her email, she would just get sucked in, and she'd lose two hours at a shot, which was really becoming a problem for her. And she would find that because she had all these messages in her inbox, um, she had read messages mixed in with unread messages. She had things she had started reading but then had you know, stopped somewhere midway through. Um, things weren't getting filed. Um, and she even found that there were urgent priorities mixed in with messages that you know, she had read but never done anything about. So we needed to revamp her whole process for uh, attacking and uh, tackling her email. So we basically started, she wanted to get rid of the volume of messages in her inbox because it was a stressor for her. Uh, in addition, we set up a filing system. We created a processing schedule for her um, so that she had set times for being on email. And we also created a process for uh, addressing those tasks that were delivered by email. So there was a way to capture that information so nothing would fall through the cracks. So ultimately, at the end of all this, she was in a much better place, definitely in control of the situation and very much more productive. Stephanie, you've provided us with a lot of information, and this has been uh, not only informative but enjoyable, and I thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And before I let you go, What's the best way for listeners to get in touch? Well, they could uh, visit my website, which is uh, theorganizingzone.com. Uh, they can feel free to email me at stephanie at theorganizingzone.com as well. Well, I thank you again. And I have a special thank you because today may very well be my last show as host of the Voice of Manhattan Business. I've had the privilege I believe we're closing in on 250 shows, so probably around 300 chamber members have taken advantage of the program. I want to profusely thank all of my guests and, of course, all of my listeners. This is Bruce Hurwitz. Thanks again to everyone, and have a safe and prosperous week. <laughs>